0: Good morning, so glad you're here. How are we doing? Good, good, because you're looking good. You're looking good. Uh, everybody find a seat, unless you're between the ages of three and fifth grade, and then you can head all the way upstairs to Children's Church. Elise and Noah, can you stay for just a minute? Okay, Ryan, come on down. want you to uh, formally, a lot of you already have met, Ryan McBride, and, and this is uh, his uh, lovely bride, uh, beautiful and hot. It would be uh, inappropriate for me to call you that. Come on up. This is Elise. This is Noah, uh, who, you know, it's like, honey, I shrunk the husband, don't you think? And uh, Eli is in the nursery, their other son, 18 months. Wonderful family. Ryan's just come on board as our worship pastor and is going to be uh, using his gifts to really advance the mission of the church. Bless us, draw us closer to Christ and all that great stuff and, and reach those who are far from Christ. So we wanted to pray for them and over them. If anybody would like to join me up here, um, I invite you to do so. If you'd like to pray from your seats, that's okay. We just want to welcome them and, and bless them and protect them and all that great stuff. So let's do that. I'll give you a second. Lord, we are so grateful. So grateful that you have uh, called to us, Ryan and Elise and their family, uh, so that we might uh, be strengthened, Lord, for your work. Lord, and that, uh, that he has committed his gifts to you for your glory and the advancement of your kingdom. Lord, I ask you to use him mightily, continue to anoint him as you have, cover this family with your Holy Spirit, your protection your joy, your peace. Use them mightily. Lord, let, let, uh, let our love for them be a reflection of your love for them. And Lord, that, uh, that your mission to reach this city, this town, this college, and everybody in it for you so that you can set them free and pour out love and grace and forgiveness and life upon them. Uh, may that flow from his giftedness. Lord, we are overjoyed. We are overjoyed. We thank you. Um, and we bless you, Lord, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, guys. All right. New members of the family, we have quickly fallen in love with this family, and, and you will too. Um, so long, buddy. I don't know what happens up there, but I'm trusting you'll tell me. No, it is great. They have great folks that, uh, so if you have kids, uh, that's a, a great blessing. couple of business things, before we get going, you're at Bethany. My name's Tom. Just in case you need a confirmation of, of where you ended up this morning, um, we have a, a baptism service next. We're planning one next Sunday, immediately following this one. Uh, since our last baptism service uh, in the late spring, a uh, number of uh, quite a few of you have come to make a commitment to Christ, receive Him as your Lord and your Savior. The next step in that. Faithful process is the public proclamation of that, celebrating that with the body of Christ through baptism. Uh, So if you'd like to participate, I'd ask that you talk with Matt or talk with me, and uh, and we'll get that going for next week. Um, There's a couple of things we need to go over, but uh, we would love to celebrate that along with you. Um, While I was out of town, there was a doubleheader, the Battle of the Baptists, in in all love and all... We got shellacked in the first game, team. What happened? What happened? Well, you, it was okay. It was tied. You split the games, it's good. It's good, it's loving. Yeah. This week, 6.30, Southwest Field, sugars. The result is not gonna be sweet for them. Okay, all right, come on out. If you wanna play, if you wanna cheer, we have a great time out there, 6.30. Uh, college students, final thing, wants want you to be aware, 6.30 tonight. Todd and Bonnie Huckabee are great friends who are spending more time with us here from Texas. I don't know where you are. They're they're in the nursery. Um, But they are cooking tonight at their home. I want you to pick up, uh, if you're a college student, you want to go out there uh, for dinner. It's a great time. Uh, Their address and phone number and all that good stuff is in the bulletin. That's tonight at 630. And you have some directions. Good. They're on the side of the sound booth and We'll make sure to get them to you. Good, good, good. Okay. If you have a Bible, you want to open it to Proverbs chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible, there are some tucked under some of the seats in front of you. If you don't find one, just raise your hand, and Roy is back there. I'd be happy to bring you one. If you want to keep that, it's your own if you want it. Um, and we'd love for you to take it with you. Um, if you're not visiting with us, and you've been with us, you know that we've been going through the Book of Acts, the Acts series called Acts to be continued. We're hitting the pause button on that for a few weeks. We're doing a special series called Flow: Biblical Money Management, and uh, we're we're excited. Uh, we're very grateful. Want to want to thank Dave Ramsey, who is a, a financial expert and a follower of Jesus Christ, and a real sharp guy. I want to thank him and our friends at Life Church for a lot of the content that's going into uh, this material, this message. And uh, Dave has a book that is very, very helpful. It's called Total Money Makeover. And uh, I'll be in the back and you can see me. We're going to I'm going to talk to you a little bit at the end about how you can get that book. We're going to make it available to you uh, at a discount, and we got some coming in and more if you need them. So uh, if you really want to take this seriously and head through it, uh, there's a way to do that. Credible opportunity for us to implement a plan in our lives, a financial plan that God blesses, that God blesses. And that's a good news. You know, as you go through the Bible, it is shocking to see how often Jesus talks about money. In fact, besides the kingdom of God, He's usually talking or making a parallel to money. Why is that? Because it's important. It's important not because money itself is important, but our response to it, our attitude toward it is important. See, if it's right, it can be a great blessing. It can lift us up. If our attitude uh, is wrong, it can trip us up. And he wants to lift us up. So um, it's very important. It reveals How we respond to money, how we respond to financial things, reveals a lot about our heart and how we think about God. So it's not just isolated. Our financial life is separate from our social life and our work life and our home life and our sex life and all those other lives. It's all integrated. And so we're going to take a good look at that. We're going to have a great time talking about money for the next several weeks. I want you to stay with us. I think it's going to be, it's going to be very practical. Studying for this message, I learned a few things about money. Money is is fun, if you got it. (laughs) I learned something else, that not a lot of people are doing very well with money. In fact, most of us have made big mess-ups financially. Do you know what what it makes you if you've had a big mess-up financially? Over 12. That's what it makes you fact, show of hands, uh, who's had a big mess up financially in their lives? My, my, my hand is up. Okay, those of you who hands aren't up, you have a problem with lying, do you? Okay. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. And, and, and the enemy, the devil, tells us this story about guilt, about shame, because you're the only one, right? You're not. We're all in this together. We had enough guilt and shame We don't need more guilt and shame. This is not guilt and shame this morning. What we need, what we need is a solution. What we need is guidance, guidance from God about the way he's wired us, the way he's wired everything to work through his word, and that's what we're going to study. It's good. No guilt and shame. Everybody has made mistakes. I have made some atrocious mistakes with money. Just to just to get that out on the table, so you know I'm not talking down to you. I have a little story I like to call "Going Broke in San Antonio." Shri <laughs> and I were married 23 years ago, uh, just about, and we moved to San Antonio. And we first of all, back up a little bit. We paid for our own wedding. Spent the rest of our money on our honeymoon. That, my friends, is stupid. Okay? We were the worst kind of stupid. We were young and stupid. Okay? So now we're we're newlyweds and I got that male kind of pride thing, right? So we're going to move, we're going to move to a new city. We're in New Orleans, we're all our families. We're going to move to a new city, we're going to make a life there. And I go ahead and I get us the best apartment I can find. It is a one bedroom apartment that's a, roughly the size of a one-car garage. And I say, we're going to leave. Her parents had, had provided us with a sectional, a sectional couch thing, you know, the little pieces that come together, and make it look like furniture, but it's really separate chairs. The ugliest, least comfortable one in the entire world, but it was free. I decide we're going to leave it there, right? We're going to move without it because I'm a man. I'm going to provide for my family. So we were stupid on four levels here, okay? You got a bread box of a one-bedroom apartment. We go out and buy furniture that we don't need with money that we don't have. Get this. We went out. We bought. It was a combination. We said, we just need a little love seat. No. It turned into a couch and a big old chase lounge. They came together. Oh, yeah. We couldn't fit it in the apartment. Only the chase was out. We had to stand the couch up in the corner on its end for a year. How stupid is that? You buy something you don't need with money you don't have for furniture that you didn't measure for. So your couch is vertical on its end. It's hard when people come over not to appear stupid. That's three. The fourth thing is, you know what the material was? White cotton. White cotton. And Cherie is pregnant. There is, there is one right time to buy white furniture. Do you know what that is? When they start making white dirt and never else. We were dumb. White cotton. We, we still have the chase. We had to put denim on it. It's in Tommy's bedroom now, but it's just a reminder of our dumbness. And then, so we get Tommy comes along. We're living in San Antonio. I just compile this, you know? I got the furniture. Now I need a house. So I buy a house. And we got the baby, We got the couch. The couch is laying down now. Got the house. Lose my job, lose my job. I got to tell you, we went through nine months of doing odd jobs and and finding stuff, and we lost everything. Everything. We couldn't hawk the couch and the chase because people in San Antonio were too smart to buy white cotton furniture, so that was no help. But we got through it. I got. I have some good news for you. God is faithful. Whether you have a lot, whether you have a little, whether you're in the negative category, God is faithful. And here's the good news. However you've messed up and however I've messed up, whether that's in our finances or in our social lives or in our relationships, God's grace, God's love, God's forgiveness is bigger than our mess up. That's the message of the cross. You're never going to get bigger than that. That's the good news. There's a new life. There's hope. Here's the flip side of that story, just to lead in before we kind of get into the, the meat of the message. I found a job. God blessed me with a job. And here's the irony. It's in fundraising, okay? No, I have nothing. I have lost everything, and now my job is to ask other people for their money, I could just see Jesus laughing his head off over that, but it was his plan, and it was great, and he has blessed us richly, and as things changed for us, there was a day when I had a job and was presented with another job that doubled my salary. Praise God. I mean, hey, we were making ends meet before those ends weren't just meeting now. They were flapping around us, tying in a bow. I was swinging them like a lasso. We had we had some flow going. And those people who tell you that people with money are miserable? Uh-uh. No, I am not here to tell you that money is going to give you peace. I'm not here to tell you that money is going to make you happy, make you a better follower of Jesus Christ, make your skin clear up, make... Make your girlfriend come back to you, whatever that is. It's not going to happen. I don't mean to tell you that. But what we found out was who we were when we were busted, broke, visiting car lots on the weekends because they were giving away free pizza. And when we had a lot, when we got to have a lot, that didn't fix our lives. That didn't fix our lives. All the junk that we had when we were broke was amplified when we had a lot. Here's what I'll say about money. Regardless of where you are in the spectrum, is that it doesn't fix your life. It doesn't fix your life. It just makes you more of what you already are. So here's the moral of the story. If you're a real jerk and you're broke and then you get rich... Now you're a colossal jerk who gets to be a jerk in more expensive places with more well-dressed people. It doesn't make you not a jerk. And if you're poor and you have this huge heart that's always looking to bless people and love people and give to people, and then you get money, you're going to be a philanthropist. You're going to change people's lives. You're going to change eternal destinies, maybe, God willing. You're going to change the world. It just makes you more of what you already are. So we have to be, as we put God's financial plan in our lives together, we have to make sure that what we are is right. Because as we become more financially solid, we're just going to become more of what we are. So you have to be careful of what we are. Here we go. It will drive you to the Bible because um, money, whether we have a little of it or a lot of it, is the source of tension often in relationships. See, you know it's the number one cause of divorce? You would think it's infidelity. It's money fights. It's money disagreements. Whether you're broke or whether you have more than you can count. So we gotta, we got to get this right. And I, you might be surprised to know that God has an awful lot to say about it. Now the things we're going to see in God's word, you already know for the most part. See, It's about 20% head knowledge, and it's about 80% actually doing it, behavior. And so we may know what to do, but we need to encourage each other and and, and walk together in doing what we know to do. And when we do that, what we're going to see is God's work, God's work in our lives. You know, if we could just do what we know to do, we could let the Holy Spirit loose in our lives, Our lives would be so much different. And and that's what we're going to venture into this this whole series. You know? That's the the thing in my life. If I could just do what I know to do. You know what the problem is? It's the guy I shave with in the morning. If I could just get him to get in line, I could be both skinny and and rich. All right, so we're going to do it. We need to know what we should do. We need to do it. So we're in this overview. This week is an overview of What we're going to unpack for the most part over the next three weeks. And I want to talk to you about BFF. Now BFF is not just a cute way that you sign off on your text. Best friend forever. Or never, 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 never. No. This week, it means biblical financial freedom. Why not you say it with me? Biblical financial freedom. Freedom. What does the Bible tell us about getting free financially forever? These steps work. They have always worked. They always will work. But we need to allow God to work them in us. It takes a while. It takes a while. This is a recipe that is to be cooked in the crock pot and not the microwave. You ever notice that's true of most spiritual things in your life? You know, God doesn't, doesn't you know, hit me with a lightning bolt. And I'm the perfect husband. It's been 23 years. I got the husband part down. The perfect part, that's going to take at least another 23 years. That's the reason to renew my contract. So, it's a process But to the extent that you or you you and your family engage in these five steps to biblical financial freedom, you're going to see God work in your lives and in your finances as, as never before because it's the plan put together by God. Five things that we need to do if we want to win with money. The first is we need to get out of debt. And I can just hear you, oh, Marge, he ain't just a pastor He's a rocket scientist. Look at that. Get out of debt. I would never have thought of that. Is that the best you got? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is, because God said it. It's so important. Truth is, I want us to go away with this understanding that debt equals slavery. If you're in Proverbs chapter 22, take a glance down at verse 7. We want to take a look at that. Let's look at this verse together. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is, say it with me, what? Slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. So debt equals slavery. You know, in this country, we used to have debtors' prisons. (laughs) They used to have debtors' prisons. In In fact, you could still go to jail for not paying your debts. But even though we don't have debtors' prisons for the most part here anymore... There is a prison. There is a prison of debt. Debtors, people in debt are in chains, are in slavery. Do you know what that feels like? I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. You know, slaves don't have much in the way of options. They have to work a job they hate because they can't afford to look for something else because they got bills to pay. Maybe they got to get another job. Debt equals slavery. They got bumper stickers on their car. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. That's what it's about. For slaves, don't have a lot of options. Slaves can't really be generous for the most part, even though they want to be. Because if you can't make ends meet, you can't give to other people or to the church or to God's purposes or anything else the way you want to. Slavery is tough. When you're in financial bondage and slavery, you have a lot of masters. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, Matthew 6 24, you can't serve God and money. When you're in debt, you have a lot of masters. Why do you think they call it MasterCard? Huh? They're trying to tell us something. That's Right? I mean, I remember when Tommy was living at home, I wanted direct deposit at City Market because that's where all the money was going anyway. Just tell him at the end of the month to give me back what's left over. Debt is tough. It's real, isn't it? Car loans, home loans, credit card loans. Some of you got student loans that have been around so long, you think it's a pet. It's not. Debt. Think for a minute. What would it be like to have no payments? Think about what it would be like to have no debt. Breathe that in. Feel that? would feel free. would feel free, wouldn't it? Think for a minute. Completely out of debt. My goal is to get rid of my credit cards. See, my job at the college is a fundraiser. I work at the foundation. So I spend a lot of time with a lot of people with so much money, they've lost count of it okay, and I a lot of multi, multi-millionaires, you're saying, and they talk to you, <laughs> yeah, but I have yet to meet one that said, Tom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in on my secret, made it all through my discover points, yeah, <laughs> you know those freaking flyer miles, that was my financial breakthrough moment, none of them have ever said that, many have said, I stayed clear of debt, And how many people do you know, I know a lot, that these things have been less than a blessing in their lives and in their families. In fact, you might say they were a curse. Somebody's likely to say, yes, but you can use them responsibly. You can do a lot of stupid things responsibly. But for me and for most people, the temptation is too great. So I want to encourage you to use your debit card. A debit card will do everything your credit card will do. Except let you spend money you don't have. So I buy a lot online. Good, use your debit card. These things will let you and encourage you into debt. So I want to I wanna get rid of it. I wanna discover financial freedom. Okay? This is Macy's, they got a lot of nice stuff. But if I'm gonna buy it, I'm not gonna get star rewards. Oh, This is plastic surgery at its best, my friends. Target. I'm hitting the target now. Consider it getting a plastectomy, right? Citibank, this is a platinum. You know what that means? It could get you in a lot of debt. (laughs) Oh, and that had your name on it. Yeah, no problem. Bank one. Yeah, I'm banking with the one. Thank you. And a gold card, Sears. That's where America shops. Not on credit. So I encourage you. I encourage you to get rid of credit. Credit cards. Did you know the average car payment in the U.S. is $478 over 84 months? $478 a month for 84 months. Now, if you invest... $478 $478 per month from age 30 to 70 in, in a, a decent growth stock mutual fund. You know what you have at 70? 5.6 million dollars. Hope you like your car. It's amazing. It's amazing. So so we just need to think about the Bible says that debt makes us slaves. Makes us slaves. God wants you to do something. God wants you to do something. And it's be free. It's be free. We're going to talk about how to do that. You say, well, there's a lot of things that I feel like I should be doing that I don't have the money for that I'm going to have to decide not to do. If God really wants you to do something, He'll provide the money for you. Stop whining. It's true. It's true. He will. We don't need some sophisticated reason why we need things we don't need. Turns out it's just not some ancient, dusty scripture. The borrower is slave to the lender. And you can't serve God and money, so let's be free. He wants us free. And the whole idea of getting out of debt celebrates. As you and I get out of debt financially, we'll do that and we'll celebrate the fact that Jesus was all about getting out of debt. In fact, we had a debt that was so much more serious than financial. We had the debt, the payment, the monthly payment, the eternal payment of our sins, which is death and separation from God. And Jesus paid it all with his finished work on on the cross for our sins in our place. And those who have received him know the freedom that this provides. Same way. He wants to set us free from financial debt and the misery that comes along with it. Number two, quickly. Second thing we need to do is act your wage. Act your wage. You've heard Act your age, this is act your wage. We need to live on less than we make because we're not in Congress. (laughs) Bible says it this way. Bible says it this way. Proverbs 21, 20. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling. Get this. But a foolish man devours it. I love the NIV. It says... Precious foods, choice foods, and oil are in the house, the cupboard of the rich man, but the fool devours it all. The Berggrath paraphrase of this is the rich man, the the smart man, the wise man, has a hundred pints of Ben and Jerry's in his freezer. The stupid fool eats it all in one night. We don't know anybody like this, but we're just imagining When the Bible calls you a fool, that's not just some like hip urban way of saying hello. Hey Aaron, how you doing fool? No, that is not that. The biblical fool is not a greeting. It is somebody who does not stand a chance. And here it's saying that the fool devours everything, spends everything, They own. We got to learn to live on less than we make. 1 Timothy 6.6 says this. Now there is great gain in godliness with what? With contentment. Contentment is one of the most powerful financial tools that you and I will ever master from God. If you're okay with your clothes, if you're okay with your ride, if you're okay with your house, if you're okay with your standard of living... You're okay. You're okay. And things start to settle down, and we're on a budget, and we're getting out of debt, and we're able to live, and we're able to give, and the word flow really has meaning because things are flowing the way God intended. So, contentment with godliness is great gain. Think about debt. Think about debt. When we buy stuff we don't need with money we don't have, we don't act our wage. That's like the gimmies when we were a kid. Gimme, 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 gimme. Now, that, we're sophisticated. And we live in a society where everybody's doing it, so it doesn't seem like that. But you know what it is? You know what that is? It's like spiritual whining. But I need it. I need that 64-inch flat-screen TV. man. Who grew up with that big TV the size of your, your refrigerator turned on its side with the plaid speakers and the dial that went, even though you only got three channels? <laughs> let's let's get, separate the need and the want. There's a time for that maybe, but it ain't now for most of us. We get sucked in. You know what it's connected to? It's connected to trusting God connected to trusting god because true satisfaction is how he's wired us true satisfaction fulfillment we're not going to find it in anything we can purchase that's his mercy and grace saying you're only going to find it when you find it in me and i have a plan i have a plan to show my provision in your life don't speed it up don't slow it down just go with it just go with it third what we need to do is get on a budget Get on a budget. We need to get out of debt. We need to act our wage. Third, we need to get on a budget. If you work for a company called You Incorporated, and you were managing money for You Incorporated, and you manage money the way you manage money for You now, would you fire you? Don't answer that. It's incriminating. It's amazing how many people do stupid stuff with money and then pray, Lord, just bless me. Just bless me. And you know... I picture him going, uh uh-uh. oh because he loves you, because he loves you, because your life's going to be a train wreck if you do with a lot of money what you've done with a little. You, you remember the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 Jesus is talking about? If you haven't, you want to read it. You want to read it. It's, it's striking. And basically what it says is if you can be trusted with a little, he'll give you more. You could be trusted with more, but if you can't, you won't. I think philosopher Kanye West had it nailed when he said, look at his ambition, baby. Look at his eyes. This week he's mopping floors. Next week it's the fries. Do you remember that? Yes. But think about it. You're working in Mickey D's and you're working on the fry station. You do a real good job there and what do you get to do? You get to be the Big Mac Mac Daddy, right? That's shoot for the stars, my friends. Now, if you do a good job doing that, you might be regional manager someday. But if you mess that up, you're back to the fries. That's how it works. That's how it works in the world. And God said that's how it works with him. When a child, we have two children who are now driving. And that that for a parent, you see this gray hair? That's what it's from. At 16, operating a motor vehicle. Now, no matter, no matter. I will say Tommy is a good driver now, but, bud, when you got your license, you, were just, you just wanted to look cool. You're doing this thing. I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, 10 and 2, please. <laughs> Quincy, Quincy, very careful. But I don't care who you are. At 16, you are untested. Maybe verging on incompetent and beyond the wheel. I don't think a loving parent buys a child that just got their license a Viper. I don't think you need to go zero to 60 in 3.2 seconds or whatever that is. You need to be driving dad's old 1996 Hooptie mobile. That might not get to 60. Because that's love right? That's what your heavenly father is saying. He's saying, kid, I love you, my child, my son, my daughter. I love you. This is the way to go. This is the way to go. If you do this and you show yourself faithful with little, I will entrust more to you. But it is not loving for me to bless you. Look at people who win the lottery. It is not loving to bless somebody with something they're not ready to handle. Right? Somebody goes from being dirt poor to winning the Powerball. Right? They get a divorce. Their kids don't talk to them anymore. Their family's mad at them. They get their personalized NASCAR repossessed. And they go broke and they declare bankruptcy five years out. That is not a blessing. And yet, this is the very thing we cry out to God for. Bless me more. Bless me more. He's going, I love you too much to bless you more. You're just going to do more damage. So, the good news is this He's not not turning his back on us. We're going to get on a budget. We're going to make some plans. We're going to make some plans. Getting on a budget, Luke 14. Let's take a look at that. This Jesus talking, it's in red letters. When the boss is speaking, you sit up, you take notice. Luke 14, starting in verse 28, Jesus says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, That's the guy who began to build and was not able to finish. The Berggrath paraphrase is this, If you don't plan and you don't budget, you start things you can't finish, and people point at you and laugh. Not people in Bethany. We wouldn't do that. Other people will do it. You better have a plan. Otherwise, you'll get halfway through not building a tower, building your future, building your life, and you can't finish. Because we didn't plan. We didn't have a budget, right? Think about it. Think about, imagine, and this has to be an imagination for me because it, it's not happening in the natural right now. God, it's not. Imagine that you're building and contracting a $4 million home. You're interviewing contractors. And one contractor comes up to you, and he's going to tell you how he's going to build your home. So he takes his huge, huge lunch bag, he rips it apart, puts it on the truck of his car, trunk of his t- truck, And he says, basically, we're going to find some wood. And we're going to nail it together, and it's going to come out something like this. You're not only going to say no, you're going to say hell's no. Walk. Next. Next. What does that have to do with me? You are going to handle as a normal working person 2 million, 4 million, some of you 5 to 6, some of you $10 dollars during the course of your working life. Don't plan on the back of a used lunch bag. God's going to say next. He wants to pour into you good planning budgeting. You know how we used to budget when we were first married? You get to the, like the 20th day of the month, you figure out how much money you have left, you divide it by the number of days until payday, and you make sure that you don't run out of money until that very last day and and you make sure you run out of all of it, which is usually not hard. <laughs> that is a train wreck of budgeting. Let me just tell you. We need to sit down before the month starts on paper on purpose, lay it out, give every dollar a name, and if you're married, agree on it with your spouse. That is the way to plan because He's, he's building in you. Not that your financial life is, is the most important, but it's all connected. He has a plan for your life, He has a plan for your finances, and if we're going to do that, we have to follow his, his lead. God has a plan for your life, and He has a plan for your finances. To follow his lead, we need to do number four, which is save. For years, I was good at making money, but I was not good at managing money. So I would try to out-earn my stupidity. You ever did that? Not a good plan. Not a good plan. Dave Ramsey, in his book, uh, and I encourage you to get it, says we need to save for four reasons. I bet you can understand what this uh, visual aid is about. My grandmother used to say this. What? Save for a rainy day that's right save for a rainy day you know why because it's gonna rain life is coming rain is coming be ready for it be ready for it money management manage, money management magazine money magazine says this 78 percent of us will have a financially devastating event within any 10-year period of our lives who knows what it'll be could drop your transmission on the way up Monarch, downshifting or down. Kid needs emergency surgery. Could have an unexpected pregnancy. I've never understood that really, that term. <laughs> haven't figured out what's causing that. You got, we got another message for you. It's coming another week. Your Uncle Gus passed away. Nobody wants to bury him. You got to do it. Maybe you get laid off. Who knows? But life's coming. You know Murphy's Law? Murphy's Law says whatever can go wrong will go wrong at the least convenient time. If you and I save three to five months of expenses, living expenses, we put that in between us and Murphy. We put that in between us and life. So when life comes and says, what about that? You can say, what about that? What about that? I got a god and I got the management of the money. And so Murphy goes to the weird guy next door and we get to help him out. That's the plan. We need to be solid and healthy so we can help out others who need it. Let's take a look back at Proverbs 21:20. 20. It has something to say, "Precious treasure and oil" are in a wise man's dwelling. There are stores, there is savings of treasure and oil in a wise man's dwelling. We need to save, we need to save for three things. One is for those emergencies, to have an emergency fund. Number two, the reason we need to save, first of all, I wanna want point out, take a look at this. If you're wise, you save. If you're foolish, you are it all. You see the connection? The second reason we need to save is so that we can pay cash for things that we want. These are Benjamins. Um, They're mine, but they're going back in the bank tomorrow. They're just a prop. Um, $100 bills. You know what happens when you spend cash? You spend less than when you spend with plastic. I kid you not, McDonald's did a study on this. You know how just recently or in the past couple of years, that You used to have to spend with cash. Now you can swipe your debit card, swipe your credit card. You know what this is a result of? A study that they did that says f- you, when you go to McDonald's, you spend 47% more when you buy with plastic than when you buy with cash. This is what it's like. You go to Mickey D's, you go, well, yeah, supersize this, supersize that. I'm going to get the apple pie, one of those shakes, and I'm paying for him. Now, when you're paying with cash, you walk up and say, I like that McChicken off the dollar menu, and he's on his own. (laughs) Because let me tell you what happens when you touch the cash. You get to know what it's like to have money. You call him Uncle Benjamin. He becomes part of the family. (laughs) You go to buy something, and it's like, there's a pain involved. And that pain is a good pain. he said. maybe I don't need that. Right, I'm going to stay with Benjamin. When we spend with cash, we're more careful. You ever go to a stereo store or an appliance store, a TV store with cash? Take it out. Start waving it around. These people have never seen it before. You will get service. You can get better deals with cash. Because they won't have to pay the, the service fee for the credit card. You go up to the register, yo, dude, this guy's got real money. Call the manager, I don't know how to ring this up. (laughs) Pay with cash, which means we got to save up for things, and it takes longer. Third reason we need to save money is when you save money, you can learn to invest money. Did you know that $100 invested every month in a decent growth stock, mutual fund that we talked about before, Between ages 30 and 70, do you know what you ended up with? $1,176,000 when you're 70. For the price of a latte a day, for a month, for pizza and cable money, we can retire and not buy the book 70 Ways to Cook Alpo and Love It. (laughs) We can retire with dignity. It's amazing. It's amazing. You see how all these things start working together? Because you can't do one. You can't do them all unless you do them all. Get out of debt. You act your wage. Get on a budget. You start saving. Start investing. Last one. We'll let you go. But this is the best. You get to give. Oh, giving. That is the most fun that you can have with money. That is the most fun you can have with money. Blessing people. God blesses us so that we can bless other people. Proverbs 3:9. This is beautiful. Take a look at this. This is the flow illustrated. We talk about, we talk about giving and we start with a tithe. We talk about, you know, supporting the church and God's work, and that's a great place to to begin but it doesn't stop there here we go proverbs 3 9 and 10 honor the lord with your wealth however much however little that is with the first fruits of your produce get what god does then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine why so you can get big and fat no When he fills your barn with plenty and your vats with wine, symbolically, you know what that's for? So you can pour it out to other people and bless their lives and change their lives. And as you're doing it, he's refilling your storehouse because you filled his and you're obedient to him. And he is glorified when he when we allow him to do through us what he does. You know what he does? God is a giver. God is always giving. When the sun came up this morning, he was giving to you. Right? When you lay your head down, he is giving to you. When he is by your side protecting you, he is giving to you. When Jesus hung on the cross to deliver you from death and sin and pay your debt, he is giving to you. Every moment when he's begging for you to pray and ask and lift his name up. He is giving to you. His presence is giving. Our God is a generous God. And we will be filled with incredible joy when we become giving people. I'm not asking for your money this morning. I'm asking for God, for us to allow God to do everything in our lives with our finances that will glorify him. And what glorifies him, he, he blesses his people. He does. This is not the road to financial prosperity. It's not the way to get rich quick. It's a way to be faithful and praise him. Worship him with your wallet. I would bet that you forgot about a lot of the ways you have spent your money. I have wasted more money than I've given. I forgot all about the waste. But the times when I've been faithful enough to pour into other people. I will never forget those times, not out of pride, but because at that time I feel God most closely. It's beautiful. Dave Ramsey shares a story of this couple from the church and they got out of debt and they budgeted and they acted their wage and they saved and they invested. So they were able to give, they had a surplus after all of that. after they tied to their church about three to five hundred dollars a month, They have a Waffle House ministry. They live in a big city, so there's a lot of Waffle Houses and little restaurants. It's not just Waffle Houses, but this is what they do. They go to a different restaurant. Before they go, they pray, Lord, have somebody who encounters us, either a fellow diner or a waiter or waitress who really needs your blessing in their lives. They always find one. They find a a pregnant single mom. And they leave her a $500 tip. And they are joyful. And they got a whole bunch of people who are going around their city doing the same thing. And when these people ask why they do it, they said, this is just a reminder how much God loves you and how much we do. Dude, if we did that, this town would be turned on its head drawn to God not about collecting your money it's the flow God wants it to flow from him to you out of you back to him to other people let him grease the wheels we've been stuck in this a little too long no guilt, no shame just an opportunity We're going to finish up. But when you get to number five, giving, you know you fit the sweet spot. You know that God has transformed it. Ultimately, the only reason God is so concerned about your money is because he's so concerned about the child he loves. He is. He's concerned about you and everything that affects you. So he has a plan for our money. We're going to unpack that plan over the next three weeks. You just got an overview. But it's wonderful. It's going to set us free. Let's pray about that. Lord, I have done so many foolish things with what you have entrusted to me. Forgive me. Lord, I got a lot of friends, some brothers and sisters here, and we want to start a new path to freedom by the way that we allow you to work through us to handle our finances. We want to praise you with every decision we make. We want to take your guidance. Lord, we need your strength because it's a lot of stuff we know. But we want to finally do it. So forgive us for, Lord, seeking debt because we thought things would, would fill the void in our lives. For not acting our wage because we wanted to outpace your provision for us. For not being on a budget to reflect your plan for us. Lord, forgive us for not saving and investing. And Lord, not putting ourselves in a position where we can do the most joyful thing, which is flow out. Give, give to you, give to people who need you, who need to know your love and, and, and be supplied and provided for. Thank you that you've given us another chance, a joyful chance to walk this road together and be free. Thank you. If that's the uh, desire of your heart, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you want to allow him to speak into your life, follow his biblical plan for your finances, I ask you to raise your hand. I'm gonna pray for you as I pray for myself. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. He's gonna set a lot of people free. We're gonna see a lot of victory, amen. God bless you, let's pray. Father God, we got the instructions. We wanna delve into them. We want them to be tattooed on our hearts and our minds because you made this, you wired this. You know how it works. And Lord, we wanna follow you. It's going to bring joy to your heart. It's going to bring peace to our lives. It's going to bring blessing to the people around us. And we want to be faithful. We can only do that through your Holy Spirit. So we ask you to fill us and change us. We're starting a new path. And we thank you for providing it. In Jesus' name, amen.